Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of To The Point Podcast. Was doing well on this Tuesday. Tonight, the NHL returns, the NBA returns following last night's hiatus. Um, beginning of the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA will be into the conference finals at the Eastern Conference um, final tonight between the Celtics and the Heat. And before that is actually the NBA draft lottery. So that's the NBA is actually marketing their draft lottery. Uh, unlike the, unlike the national hockey league a few weeks ago, um, we'll see what teams, you know, does a team get to one and they draft Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, or do, do they take a look at some of the uh, different prospects? Jabari, uh, Jabari Smith from Auburn, uh, Paolo Bancaro from Duke. So, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch tonight to see all that, all how how all that plays out. So that's what's on tap tonight. Last night, pick of the day, um, got the Brewers right. One nothing win. Brewers are on fire, playing some great baseball. Got some good pitching. Woodruff starting to turn it around. They look like a good team. I still like the Cardinals a lot. I think that'll be a battle down the stretch. But um, Diamondbacks did fall to the Dodgers. I wanted to take a a long shot last night was feeling it got a little cocky. I'll admit it, but Diamondbacks take the L five, four to the Dodgers. So no win last night, but we'll see what's on tap today. We're going to get into some odds uh, when Seamus joins me in uh, in a little bit where we'll touch on the odds to win the PGA championship, which is this weekend uh, starts Thursday morning. Um, we'll talk about, John Rom, Scotty Shuffler, the players there. We're actually going to do, we're going to pick a three pack of players, put a little wager on if we can pick a winner. Did not pick a winner last time, didn't pick Scotty Scheffler. Um, but we'll see what happens this weekend. We're going to get into that today. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into that. We'll talk about the Leafs. Uh, they had their postseason post interviews today. Nothing all that interesting, but something that is very clear, and we'll get, I'll get to that in just a couple minutes, maybe half an hour. But let's get to hockey. Actually, before we get to hockey, can I just say, did all of you get a better night's sleep last night? Like, I love the sports. I love hockey. I watched some baseball. Actually, I watched some baseball last night, and I taped the World Hockey Championships. I watched the Canada game and the U S Finland game from yesterday. So I can't go a day without watching sports. It's kind of something, it's kind of sick. You know, I've got a streak going. It's I I'm at 315 straight days where I've at least watched at least one sporting event. I watched a bit of that Brewers game last night. I watched some of the Jays, uh, Seattle Mariners, Kikuchi's turning around for the Blue Jays. But I had to watch last night. You know, I could have watched Ozark, which I want to watch. Like, I, I do. But I was like, well. But I did get to bed earlier than I usually do. I was in bed around 10, 15 last night. It's not that everybody needs to know my my sleep patterns. But 10, 15 is a rarity for years truly. Uh, probably won't happen again for a while. So, but I'm I'm charged up. I'm, I'm revved. I'm ready to go. And, um, you know, I, I let's get into today. So, like I said, second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs kick off tonight. We got four series in total. We're going to preview them all today. Tonight's games features the Battle of Florida, Tampa Bay, and the Florida Panthers. 
Colorado Avalanche, and the St. Louis Blues. And then tomorrow we will see Rangers, Hurricanes, Edmonton, Calgary. My favorite series out of all four of these, just and it could change after watching one game, just how it's officiated, how it ends up going, could be a blowout. But just on paper, my favorite series of all of these, and the most compelling to me, is St. Louis and Colorado. And the reason I say that is because the Colorado Avalanche are on a crusade for a Stanley Cup. The Colorado Avalanche have had one goal since the start of the season, and that is to raise Lord Stanley. That is to prove the doubters wrong, to prove to themselves that they are they are winners. They can close. They are the elite of the elite. Nathan McKinnon said after last year's season that he's they, he's done nothing in this league. It's been nothing but a failure. Been in the league nine years, and he hasn't won shit. So... And this season, this regular season, the first round of the playoffs, the Colorado Avalanche have looked like the almighty. They've looked dominant. They look like the Phoenix Suns in the NBA. But as I look at this series with the St. Louis Blues, a division foe, I think we might see the Colorado Avalanche fall into the same trap of the Phoenix Suns where they're extremely confident. I think this team thinks very highly of themselves, which which is completely fair. They should. They, they're a great team. But I look across the ice. I look at the opposition, and I believe the St. Louis Blues is going to are going to cause the Colorado Avalanche a lot of problems in this series. And one of the biggest things for me is the center ice position, where you love McKinnon, you love Kadri, but I believe the center icemen for the St. Louis Blues – are tough, physical, extremely difficult centers to match up against because defensively they're very strong. Ryan O'Reilly, Robert Thomas, uh, Barbashev sometimes does play center, but you go down their lineup, I like their center ice position. They're tough, they're physical, and they don't make a lot of dumb mistakes. So who's McKinnon? You know, Tonight it's going to be interesting first game. Who does Jared Bednar want Nathan McKinnon up against? I'm going to guess it's going to be Robert Thomas and the Tarasenko line. And I think that's the right way to go. That's the way I'd approach it because Tarasenko is a little loose defensively. He does have some Kucherov in him. He does have some Russian in him, if you will, where he doesn't always focus on the details. He doesn't always look at the big picture and he can get a little, just a little out of his head and just, not make the smartest decision and worry too much about breaking out of the zone for an offensive chance when there is business to be done in front of the net. So that might be where you want to go. But Craig Berube is a very astute head coach. He's a Stanley Cup winner. This team plays hard for him. And although, like I said, Tarasenko has his flaws, Robert Thomas is a great hockey player. He's taken such strides this year. He, I always liked his physical game. And I see Walker in the comments, cr- criminally underrated. C- I completely agree. He's one of my favorite players. I thought he was, his big step was going to be next year. He had a back half of the season for the ages. His first round of the playoffs was a little quiet. But so is with, you know, Jonathan Huberto was quiet in the first round. We'll talk about that series. I expect bigger things from him. 
I think Robert Thomas will have a big series. I like Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, there's just players on St. Louis that are tough to play against. Perron, Saad, they have lots of experience. So if it's if you got Caudry, will likely get the O'Reilly line. I'm sure O'Reilly will want to go up against McKinnon, and Brube will fight for that. But if you can get Robert Thomas and Tarasenko to play against Kadri, that's not a bad exchange either. Maybe you'll want to go offense for offense and take your chances, and you can get Pareko on the ice against um, against Nathan McKinnon. Because that that is so important as well, because I love Kale McCarr. I think he's one of the most skilled players in the league today, one of the best players in the league today. But Colton Pareko is like Victor Hedman. He is quick. He's like a big horse on the ice. He can be everywhere. He's not as good as Victor Hedman. I'm not making that argument. But Colton Pareko has won a Stanley Cup too. He and Petrangelo was great the year they won the Cup, but Pareko was excellent himself. I think Pareko is a number one defenseman. He gets overlooked because he plays in a small market and because he was in Petrangelo's shadow for all those years. And this is a series to prove it because I like the St. Louis's Blues. I like the St. Louis Blues back end more than I like Colorado's. And that might sound a little crazy, but if I exclude McCarr, who I really like, and Devon Taves, who I love, Devon Taves is a what an ad where. The Islanders had to offload him because of a salary dump, and they get Devon Taves. The guy's been phenomenal. Him and Makar are a great pair. That's no longer a concern. But Makar can only play so many shifts. There are shifts when he is not going to be on the ice. That's just the way it works. So when he's not on the ice, I like Josh Manson. I think that was a really smart addition. He's a hard-no defenseman. He's not going to get caught. But there's still a D on Colorado that, to me, really, he had a big hand in them losing the series last year. And I still see his flaws, and I think they come out in the playoffs. And that's Samuel Girard. And I don't like picking on Samuel Girard, but I watch the games, and I'm, he he's a turnover-prone defenseman that makes stupid decisions. I see Samuel Girard have the puck. You see an oncoming defender that he he knows he's going to take a hit and he makes the easy play, but he makes the lazy play. He makes, he gets rid of the puck, but often it's a turnover. Often it's something, or if he does keep the puck, the bigger physical forward will end up taking the puck from him. I mentioned Robert Thomas, O'Reilly. St. Louis is a big physical team. They're not built on skill. They're not built on flash and dash. They will bury you if they have to. Barbashev, the year they won the Stanley Cup, was a wrecking ball. He led the NHL in hits in that Stanley Cup playoff run. So Gerard, Byram, they're extremely skilled, but if they are hemmed in for long shifts, which they will be in this series, can they hold up? And if they do, I will give them their flowers. But... I look at the other side and I like, I think Falk has had a great season. Best of his career by a long shot. He makes the Petrangelo, you know, Petrangelo leaving and Falk staying, uh, you know, taking his place basically in essence, look good because I think he's played extremely well. Krug will likely be out for a while, but Letty is back healthy. You got Pareko. 
that defense score is not great. You got Callie Rosen, and you got some young guys that aren't exactly top-notch. But I like the top end of the St. Louis defense more than Colorado. But you look, and yes, McKinnon is better than O'Reilly. And yes, Rantanen is better than Robert Thomas or Brandon Saad or David Perron. And you look, Landis Cog, and all these great players. Colorado's a great team. But playoff hockey's different. Colorado got a peewee team in the first round in Nashville. Nashville's best player was not in the series, UC Saros. You should have swept them. I'm not giving you a whole bunch of credit for sweeping a team that you should have swept. You handled your business. Point blank. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. You did that. Way to go. Let's move on. But how does this series go? In net. I mean, Bennington's won a Stanley Cup. Do I love Jordan Bennington? No. He's had a couple of really bad regular seasons. But he played well in the game since coming in. He hasn't lost a start. He went on a run when they won. Nobody heard of Jordan Bennington. And, but he's done it before. I've seen him catch fire and play some great hockey. On the opposite side, Darcy Kemper has played well. He's had a few injuries. But all in all, he's had a very good career. He was in Arizona, so it's like, well, how good was he? Well, the team sucked in front of him. He actually had a very good playoff series against Colorado a few years ago in the bubble. But I think he's a good goalie. But if I had to lean a certain way right now, I'm going with playoff experience over you know, a goalie who had a better regular season. Like Sergei Bobrovsky has won two Vesna trophies. Vasilevsky's only won one, but I'm going with Vasilevsky. I will go with experience over skill every time, and normally I'll win that argument. Normally. And again, there's always different things. Different things happen. Connor McDavid had a had a great round over a, a veteran-laden Edmonton team, a, a LA team. So, but, you know, there's different ways to look at a series. But if... The defense for St. Louis can hold up, and guys like Perron and O'Reilly, and if Robert Thomas can have a big series, and I mentioned Bucinavich, who has was really good, and he he was great in New York. He's got some. He's added some bite to his game. I think he needed to after leaving New York. If you remember last year, Tom Wilson made really made him look poor and beat him up in, in that game. And um, then he actually took a stupid cross-checking suspension the next game. This was a long time ago, last end of last season. But um, he's kind of toughened up. He's got a thicker skin, and I think he's bought in to that Craig Berube, St. Louis style of play. And maybe this series comes down to depth. You know, um, a sneaky guy to watch for St. Louis. He should play. I'd I be playing for me. He's a fourth liner. He's bounced around in the NHL. Nathan Walker. He's played on Washington. He's played, I think he's on uh, Detroit. Like He's been on waivers a few times, and he's bounced around the NHL. He's from Australia. They, I like him. He's like a little spark plug. He's always moving on the ice. He throws checks. He's not a big dude. 
but he's a guy that could have an impact on a game. Depth pieces don't need to win you a series, but could they steal you a game? Is there a game where you're like, okay, the depth won us that, now it's on our stars to do it? It happens every year. A goalie can steal you a game. Depth pieces can steal you a game. It, it, Tampa, Nick Paul scored two goals in game seven. Nick Paul is a depth piece. He's a trade deadline acquisition. Nathan Walker was a waiver acquisition for the, for the St. Louis Blues. But I think this series is going to be tough and physical. Colorado has, has not played in over a week. St. Louis hasn't played since Thursday. So both teams have, have had a good rest. They're going to, I don't think Tory Krug is going to be ready to start the series. I looked this morning. He's not, um, he's not listed as a guy that's going to be available. So they, they're hoping he can return at some point in this series. That would be big because obviously he helps them with their power play and he's creative. But like I mentioned, you got a good defense score below that. They, they traded for a few good guys at the deadline, like a Nick Letty, who's had a ton of playoff experience the last couple of seasons with the New York Islanders. So Colorado is going to be the heavy favorite. Colorado on paper is the better team. And I might be the only person in the world picking this team, but I'm picking the St. Louis Blues to win this series in six games. Colorado has not proven to me that they can win. I see flaws in their game. I'm, I still don't like their back end. I think I think O'Reilly and these center icemen for St. Louis will cause problems. I I just I think St. Louis I predicted before the playoffs started that St. Louis and Florida were going to play in the Stanley Cup final. I'm sticking to that. St. Louis had Minnesota in the first one. That was a tough matchup. Both teams are really good. They got by them with ease at the end. But I want to see tonight. Last year, Colorado won their first-round series in five games. They got a good rest. They played Vegas, who were coming off a seven-round series against Minnesota, and they had to play a day later, and they had to travel to, to get to Colorado. And they lost 6-1. to one. And it looked like the sky was falling. Colorado was going to run with the series. Vegas ended up winning it in six games. Maybe St. Louis has had a decent rest. But if St. Louis could find a way to win tonight on the road, how does Colorado react? Do they have that physical, that edge, that killer instinct? They can win around. This isn't the Leaf syndrome where they can't win around. They do that every year. They beat Calgary in the past. They've beaten, I mentioned Arizona last year. I, who they, I forget who they played in the first round last year. But they always seem to win around. But they can't get over that hump. They can't win the big one. And we'll see what they can do this year. But I'm picking St. Louis. O'Reilly had five goals in the first round. Saw I contributed. This is a veteran team that does have some younger pieces below it. But I still believe St. Louis is in that winning realm. They're not Pittsburgh. They're not Washington where they should be looking to off to potentially trade their best players. They still are in a winning window in, in, in St. Louis. You're in a position where you got the toughest team in your conference right in front of you. 
you get by this series, you're in good shape. For Colorado, you're the best team in your conference. Every series, you're going to be the favorite from here on out. Florida won the President's Trophy. I think if the two met in the Stanley Cup final, if they if they get there, Colorado will be the favorite on FanDuel Sportsbook. I might be wrong, but I think they will be. Because that's just Colorado. They have a they have an aura about them. They they're always they just seem to lap the field whenever they get the opportunity. But I'm going with St. Louis, six games pulling off the upset. And yeah. I just like the St. Louis Blues. I think they they got the team to pull off an upset. They got a team to go on a deep run. And I expect to see that from them this postseason and in particular this series. I was gonna say let's go to the other game tonight, but let's let's go, let's keep stay. We'll go west and then we'll head east. So the second series out west is Edmonton, Calgary, the Battle of Alberta. The first Battle of Alberta since 1991, if you can believe it. First off, before I dive into this series, I looked tomorrow night, 11.30 start time, Atlantic. Um, not, not pleased with that. Um, that. I mean, 10.30... Eastern. That's not prime time. That's not a great time to have a game. Why? Why eleven thirty? Is there a reason it has to be seven thirty local in Edmonton? It can't be. It can't be seven. Why is it seven thirty? Are the Backstreet Boys in town tonight? You need more time to clean people out of there. Eleven thirty start time. It's just ridiculous. Who? Who's? What concert is in there tonight? I'm going to watch the whole game. Which is why I'm, which why I'm angry, because that means I'm going to get less sleep. It's not all about me, but it kind of is. It's my life, right? No dress rehearsal. This is my life. Um, but yeah, that's my first gripe. Love this series, I, but eleven thirty at night. Ah, anyway. Back to the series. Connor McDavid was flawless. He was phenomenal. He was unstoppable in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 14 points in seven games. And I think he willed that team to victory in game six and seven. He refused to lose. He refused to bow out again. And he just put his stamp on the series where he just said, enough, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of the narrative of Edmonton being a losing sad, sad sack franchise. We're going to win this game. And he did that. But he's walking into a new beast here. Edmonton should have beat LA. And I would argue it shouldn't have been that close of a series in the first round. It shouldn't have had to go to seven. It shouldn't have been a one-goal game. And you put yourself in that position. So you get credit for winning, but it's also like, well, why did it take that much to win? So now you get the Calgary Flames, who get the same criticism for me. You're a better team than Dallas. I thought that series would be tight because Dallas is just a frustrating team to play against. They ran into a hot goaltender, Jake Ottinger. They had, they were just a, a defense-type team. They eliminated high-quality high scoring, scoring chances. They limited Calgary's top line. And it ends up going to overtime of a Game 7, and Calgary squeaks it out. 
But Calgary got by that hurdle. They, like Edmonton, have had very little success in the playoffs. They finally went around. They get over that hump. And now it's just new beginnings. It's new horizons where you don't have to fret about winning a series. You've done it. You've gotten past that. And now you can look ahead and focus on the task in front of you. And to me, the biggest question mark, the biggest worry for the Oilers heading into this series is the Leon Dreisaitl injury. It was reported yesterday by Chris Johnson of TSN that um, uh, Leon Dreisaitl has been playing with a high ankle sprain. I don't know how he played in game seven with a high ankle sprain. Played 18 minutes. That's an extremely painful injury. Him skating around. And game one's tomorrow. I believe it's being discussed that he should sit out early in the series so that he can come back later more fresh. Um, I don't know if they can afford to have him sit because the alternative is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But even with Dreisaitl, we know he's injured already. So if you're playing in the series, what are you going for? You're going, you're, you're trying to hurt Drysaddle's ankle more. That might sound barbaric. That might sound, but if you played sports, if you followed sports, you know what I'm saying is accurate. So, you know, I'll get to who I think McDavid's going to have to match up against, and we'll see what that center iceman can do against him. But Nugent Hopkins, what kind of impact is he going to have on this series? It could really make the difference because even if Dreisaitl's playing, he's going to need help because he's laboring. He's not at 100%. And Nugent Hopkins is a former first overall pick. He is a he is a good player. He's been in Edmonton a long time. But I Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not a game breaker. He's not a guy that's going to just change a game with his play. But he should be able to chip in. He should be able to step up and play a second-line center role. The guy makes $8 million a year. He should be able to, in those big moments, step up and make plays. So that's an X factor, is how does Nuge play in this series? Who does he play with? Does he play center? Does he play the wing? But if he's put into a top six role, he needs to have a big impact. He needs to have momentum. He needs to put up points. He needs to be productive. He can't be a net negative, basically. You can't just be there. You can't be a, a player that's not helping the team. You need to be productive in whatever way that is. If it's defensively when you need to make smart plays, do that. I think he's going to need more of an offensive role while also still being solid defensively, which he usually is. Um, but yeah, Nuge is a big one for me. What happens with the physicality of the series? Cassian and Kachuk don't like each other. I thought Kachuk got too involved in the physical nature, the after the whistle after the whistle antics in round one with Dallas. And he got in with Klingberg and and the players Michael Roffle over there. I think tomorrow night Edmonton should try to rile up Kachuk, get him in penalty trouble, you know, mess up that first line where they're not out together. And his game is not he's just not gonna be set. He's not gonna be ready to play he's in the box. His legs are gonna be sitting there for a while. For Kachuk, it's about maintaining. It's about being calm because in Game 7, he got a big goal. In Game 7, he got an assist on the game-winning goal. So he can have a big impact on this series, but it cannot be from the penalty box. The Edmonton Oilers will take the Zach Cassian for Matthew Kachuk trade to the penalty box every day of the week. They would love to see it. 
they would love to see Cassian over there smiling with no teeth and no visor while he looks at Kachuk smiling saying, ha-ha, we're four and four. We got McDavid on our team. Good luck. So Kachuk needs to remain calm. He needs to be smart. And, you know, the same can be said for guys like Darnell Nurse who took stupid penalties in round one. The same can be said um, for Cassian the other way. Cassian, if Cassian takes stupid penalty, if makes a stupid play and Kachuk doesn't react, Calgary goes in the power play. That's not a smart decision either. Um, McDavid. You can't contain Connor McDavid. You can't shut him down entirely. I think that's a stupid way of looking at it. You can't just be like, okay, well, I look at it like covering Jerry Rice. We're not going to stop Jerry Rice from catching five to six balls today. He's not going to go the whole game without catching one. But Jerry Rice could catch 11 balls for a buck 50, or he could catch six for 55. I'll let him catch six for 55, and I'm going to bank on the rest of the team, or the rest of my team, doing enough to get the victory if I'm a corner. If I'm Michael Backlund, and if I'm Daryl Sutter, this is the matchup I want. I want Michael Backlund. He's the best defensive center on the Calgary Flames against Connor McDavid. And on, on home ice, he should be able to get that. On the road, he'll have to work for it. I think Woodcroft would be fine if McDavid and co. went on the went on the ice against um, against the uh, Lindholm line, even though I love Lindholm defensively. But again, Goudreau was on that ice. He's not great. Kachuk can lose it. Even I think um, Woodcroft should try to fight to get McDavid out there against, I mean, the Lucic line, which is a slower line with Lewis and uh, and uh, Richie at times and, and that line. So that, that could be something you look at and to Foley. So, but I w- if I'm at home ice, I'm Daryl Sutter. Michael Backlund is the center I trust the most when it just comes to being defensive. Because you don't want Elias Lindholm to have to worry about Connor McDavid the whole series because he's not going to be productive offensively. It's it's like asking your best player in the NBA to guard the opposing team's best player. You only have so much energy. You only have so much in the tank, and eventually you're going to run out, and then you're sitting there saying, well, I need you to score, and your best player is you know on the floor wiping sweat off because he's completely out of gas. So... Backlund needs to be the guy to contain McDavid. And like I said, the the aspiration should not be, let's keep this guy completely off the score sheet. Let's keep this guy a a non-factor in this series because I just think that's a stupid mentality to have. But if you can say, okay, tonight I'm going to, Connor McDavid is only going to have one point tonight. If he finishes this, if it's a seven-game series, he finishes with seven points, that's a net, that's a win in my opinion. Because yes, that's a point per game, but also you're if if McDavid is only scoring, uh, contributing one goal a game or one point, you know, if he's in in it for one goal from the Oilers, I don't think they have enough guys to have a big impact to score more than maybe one other goal in that game. And with Markstrom and with the the Flames with the firepower they have, I think you're going to win most of those games. So that's the way you have to approach it. And this is on Backlund, this is on Machinapani, this is on that whole line to be structured well, to play good defensively. And, you know, the big question is what defensive pair do you put on? Um, Zadorov and Gabranson would scare me because they, they're great 
but when it comes to physicality, but both of them are very slow. They're not the fleetest of foot. I think you go with Hannafin and, and Ras, your number one defense pair. Hannafin, I think, had a really good season. Rasmus Anderson continues to get better, and I would ride with that from the start. The backland line, and then you got Rasmus Anderson on, on the point with Noah Hannafin to go up against Connor McDavid and co. There's obviously, a, it's not just McDavid. You got Evander Kane on the line who had a great first round and Kyler Yamamoto and or Zach Hyman. They seem to flip those guys every couple games, but that is the way I'd approach it and see what you can do. Um, But, you know, I mentioned McDavid, you got the top, the top line. What, what, what kind of success, what, what kind of contribution do we get from the depth from both teams? Because in the first round, Calgary struggled to get scoring from their depth pieces. Backlund and Majinapani in game five showed up. They, they had two goals, that line. But again, if they're playing against McDavid, I would not expect much. But to Foley, he needs to bring something to the table. I think that back end can be asked to do more when it comes to producing offense. There needs to be scoring from the Cal- more Calgary Flames forwards. Providing offense, scoring big goals, because Lenholm, Kachuk, and and uh, Goudreau can't do everything. So, and on Edmonton's side, if Drysdale assert, I mentioned Nugent Hopkins, there's Cassia and there's those guys. Tyson Berry, the, the power play could be pivotal. If Edmonton's power play, you can't take, again, you can't take stupid penalties if you're Kachuk because you got McDavid on the ice with an extra man that's in, so hard to play against. And th- that's that's a big X factor is can you handle McDavid on the power play? Can you make some smart decisions here? That's what I'd look at. But I think the depth, Archibald playing and guys like that for Edmonton, can they score a key goal late in the game to, to keep it close, to keep it honest? That's something to keep your eye on as well. And before we move on from this series, Mike Smith. Which Mike Smith do we get? Do we get Mike Smith in Game 7 where Edmonton played really well in front of him, but he made the saves that he had to make, and they won the game? Or do we get Mike Smith in Game 5 against L.A. where he was letting in some of the ugliest goals I've ever seen? The five-hole wide open for, for some odd reason. Letting just stinkers go by him, lowering his glove and letting it fly by his right shoulder. Mike Smith... the doesn't have to be better than Jacob Markstrom per se, but he needs to be at his best. He cannot have a complete drop-off because Jake Ottinger was fantastic in round one for, for the Dallas Stars. He kept them in the series. But Jacob Markstrom was also fantastic himself. He's a, bit, he's a fantastic goalie. He's nominated for the Vesna Trophy. So, Mike Smith, what do you have? What are we going to see from you game in, game out? Because... I think Markstrom's going to be good in this series. He was good in round one. I don't expect to see a dip from him. And it's it's another interesting storyline because you have, you know, Markstrom could be an Edmonton Oiler in this series. Edmonton could have had him, but Calgary decided to give him an extra year on that contract. He decides to go to Calgary and not go to Edmonton. If Calgary wins this series and Markstrom is plays extremely well and Smith is just adequate. You could look at it and say Edmonton would be moving on to a conference final if Ken Holland wasn't so damn cheap or refused to give him another year. You gave Zach Hyman a long-term contract, but you wouldn't give one to Jacob Barkstrom. 
a franchise goaltender in his prime. So that's something to think about as well. He could have been an Edmonton Oiler. And if they do lose this series, that still hangs over Ken Holland. That still hangs over this team because you decided to keep an old guy. You decided to re-sign this pair of goaltenders when two years ago you could have had Jacob Markstrom on your roster. You could have had him on your team right now with McDavid, with all these guys, and you could be going for, you could be the favorite in this series, where Calgary opens as as a big favorite heading into this series. I think it's going to be a really physical series. I expect to see a lot of emotion. First time since 1991 is a battle of Alberta, if you can believe it. Back in those days, Edmonton was a winning team. Calgary was winning Stanley Cups. It was a different time. But you're starting to see Calgary rebuild. Edmonton's in the playoffs. And this is a second-round series. So I expect it to be close. I expect it to be physical. I expect the best players to show out and show up early and often in this series. But I'm going to ride with the Calgary Flames. And I'm going to take the Calgary Flames in six games. I just like their team too much. I like their goaltending more. I prefer their back end. Edmonton's back end was very solid in that first round. And the biggest X factor is always Connor McDavid. But having the best player in a series is different than the NBA. And that's even changing in pro sports now where the Milwaukee Bucks didn't win yesterday or Sunday. Giannis is the best player in the world. He didn't win. Kevin Durant didn't win the series against the Boston Celtics. Sometimes having the better team is more important than having the best, the better individual. McDavid and Dreisaitl are better than any player that are that's on the Calgary Flames. But the Calgary Flames have a better roster than the Edmonton Oilers. And at the end of the day, I think that will pay dividends. And that will be the biggest reason why the Calgary, Flame, Calgary Flames advance and the Edmonton Oilers will fall. Calgary, six games. It'll be a Calgary-St. Louis conference final. Now, before we go out east, and we'll start with the Tampa-Florida series, I was you know, wondering pre-show, who has the best odds to win the Stanley Cup? And I, you know, I, I wondered if the first round changed it, because I know before the playoffs started, the Colorado Avalanche had the best odds to win the Stanley Cup. Florida was right there, which I found super interesting. But, you know, I, I was just thinking, well, who's got the best? Uh, if, if you have a prediction, because I'm going to let you know in a second, feel free to leave it in the comments. Who has the best odds to win the Stanley Cup? And who has the worst odds to win the Stanley Cup? Well, after the first round, where the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche were the heavy favorite, they remain the heavy favorite. Colorado, Colorado Avalanche are plus 210 to win the Stanley Cup. Followed by the Florida Panthers at plus 370. Carolina took a big jump. They're in the bottom half. They are now plus 500. Calgary is fourth at plus 600. Followed by Tampa, Edmonton. The Rangers and the St. Louis Blues have the worst odds to win the Stanley Cup at plus 1,700. Well, before we get to the East, I would just say this. I like St. Louis a lot. I think they're going to win this series. 
I would um I I would go on FanDuel right now and put some money on St. Louis to get to the Stanley Cup final because I think they're going to get there. Plus 1700, you're getting great odds. But I just find it fascinating that after the first round Carolina took the biggest jump. And the Carolina take the biggest jump Stanley Cup playoff odds wise because they have New York in the second round. Because they went to seven in the first round. It wasn't like it was an overly, it wasn't a series that was dominant. Really, the only first round dominant series was Colorado. And you could argue that the next closest was, was St. Louis, where they really took care of business against Minnesota. But currently, the odds makers look at Colorado as the boogeyman. But tonight, you have a few hours before the St. Louis Colorado game. If you want great odds, if you want your best odds right now, St. Louis plus 1,700. Worst odds to win the Stanley Cup on FanDuel. I love St. Louis. I think they go into the Stanley Cup final. Throw some money on it, maybe. If you want to. I'm not telling you what to do, but I want to help you make money. Um, I'll tell you a team that is not going to win the Stanley Cup. No, their odds are no longer present on FanDuel because they are expired. And... We're going to get to the second round series out East, but my guest today is good friend, big Leafs fan. And I mean, I can't, you can't really reference the Stanley cup and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the same sentence. So while we move off this topic, let's bring in friend of the show and big Maple Leafs fan, Seamus Fillmore. Shay, how are you? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, I can't hear you. Oh, every time. oh, I got you now. Can you hear me? I can. Hello? I just heard you. Hello? Oh. I'm not speaking loudly in this thing. Hello. Hello. I just heard you, but uh, you're cutting in and out. Hear me now? Maybe unplug your um, earphones. Can you hear me now? No. It's funny because I can. Audience can hear him. Hear me now? Just a sec here. Can you hear me now? Tough, tough L. Walker. Robert Thomas, criminally underrated. Walker, you're definitely right. Robert, Robert Thomas is criminally underrated. Elite passer. Harry shoot belt. You're still, still scud. I think Harry, the best memory about Harry is playing him on the game of one-on-one -on -one and taking $40 from him. So, Harry, thank you for that. It means a lot to me. Big donation guy. Big subs. Big subs. Thank you, my friend. Harry, either of us can get to the rim. So it, it doesn't doesn't really matter uh, about, about meeting you there because uh, we're, we're just two dudes who just can't jump very high. 
Three-point competition, though. I think a, a, I feel like a three-point competition would be fun for guys who suck because at one point you're just probably chucking up anything. And uh, I think that would be a good time between the two of us. How are you? Uh, me and Harry were having a great conversation about when I kicked his ass at one-on-one. I remember that. Yeah. I yeah. was there. I was sore, present for that. Sore spot for, you know. His I think actually me and you defeated him and Creighton 2v2, if 2v2. I recall. That's bad. Two athletes versus two guys who are not a- athletic. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for that. It really wasn't fair that us two were paired together because, yeah, like you mentioned, two supreme athletes and Harry and Creighton. former great and – and uh, Creighton, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. A couple of washed guys, cool. but um, I first of all, how have you been feeling the last few days? Uh, you know, your lease lose again, um, in game seven. Um, but how you the Celtics won, so that has to be good. But how, how are you feeling? Well, it's funny. I have it down in my notes too. I, I didn't watch game seven between the Bucks and the Celtics and uh, I'm not superstitious. Uh, I'm a little stitious. Uh, I, uh, I feel like when I don't watch my team's games, they win. They seem to win more often than not. Right. Um, so I might start partaking that, especially in game sevens when it comes to the Leafs. Cause uh, I, I watched all of them. I watched all the Leafs games over the playoffs and uh yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking. There's no really way around it. You don't really act tough. Um, just kind of sucks. Same thing every year. But, you know, it's different that this year than compared to other years with the team we're playing. And uh, But no, no way you two around it. It is still, it's still like just hello, darkness, my old friend kind of feeling. Yeah, like speaking, it, speaking of that, speaking of that. Um... Just gonna let this play for a second as we to remember. <laughs> I won't play all the whole thing, but um, the crowd gets the idea. They get the idea. Yeah, you get the the crowd gets the idea. Um, so you know, I. After the game, Sheldon Keefe kind of talked about how this year was different. It felt the handshake line felt different because of respect or, you know, just a different feel. I'm curious as a fan, did it, did it make a difference or is it the same kind of pain you felt in years past? Uh, it's pretty painful. Um, doesn't really matter who you're shaking hands with. It kind of sucks either way because it's like, like, are we, is this ever going to end? Is this ever, we're going to catch a break here. Like this year, it felt like we caught some breaks with um, the penalties. I, I found like, obviously in the past, obviously with the you know, series against Boston, um, a lot rougher. Toronto was, they were soft. Uh, no, no way to get around it. So this year, the league, I, I thought really cracked down. They were softer than they usually were. And I thought that took, uh, that was kind of an advantage for us, especially being such a power play like team. Um, and yeah, still couldn't capitalize on that. And uh, when it really came down to crunch time, Tampa was just an all-around better team. So you know, kudos to them. Should the Leafs make any big off-season changes? Yeah, uh, I think they should get rid of William Nylander. I I don't I don't think Dubis like 
there's such an old school mentality. Like it's not working. Analytics doesn't work, but clearly this was a really good team and they, ju they just couldn't do it. But I think you, uh, I think you have to look still at your roster and say, okay, if I don't change anything, well, I am going to get crucified here soon because obviously what I have is just not working. I, I think you trade William Nylander for John Gibbons from Anaheim. Really? Okay. I thought about this a lot. Yeah. It, there needs to be a change. It needs to be in that. You need an elite goaltender to play in that. And Nylander is as good as he is. His time, I feel like his time has just expired. There's a lot of people who want him out. Um, there's a lot of lovers of him, and I understand that too. But uh, there's a need for a goaltender, and obviously we have to fit, we have to switch something up in their top nine because it just can't work anymore. Yeah. Because it's crazy because Campbell didn't have a bad series whatsoever, but right. being an unrestricted free agent, I'm not willing to pay him more yeah. than three and a half, yeah. maybe. Like I, that, that four number, I would not get to. Yeah. Like that would be my cutoff. Like I'm not paying him four million because he played well in the post, no doubt about it. But he's also a guy that could be Freddie Anderson 2.0 where he's injured every other game. And then you have – Wall or you know uh, Jerry Shulgren making making starts down the stretch as well, which which is just as problematic. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I I really like Campbell. There's a lot of people who don't, which I don't understand why. There's some there's definitely some highlights to his game. I thought for a guy who never really was on that center stage, he was pretty composed for a lot of it, especially mm -hmm. on a lot of times when it's you know uh, tough five on three, and they're getting peppered with shots, and he made some really big saves. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, injuries just keeps popping up in my mind. And um, Gibbons is a guy, Gibson, I guess, I keep calling him Gibbons, um, is a guy who usually plays most throughout the year and is pretty solid all around, I would say. He obviously paid a little bit more than the average goaltender, but he, I, I think if it came down to the playoffs, I think he'd play really, really well. And, uh, yeah, that part of that's getting rid of Mrazek's contract, though. I think that mm -hmm. has to go. And I think you can't, uh, you can't like maybe throw that with the combo with like a Sandine or something that's going to be, you know, a pick probably you're going to throw in there to get rid of it, but something to a team that's, you know, if you, I'm trying to think of a crap. Arizona. Team, yeah. As Arizona, maybe a Seattle will take that, you know, if they were trying to switch up their goaltending, which wasn't great this year either. So you try anything, right. You got to get rid of that contract though. That was a bad, bad signing. Um, how about Giordano? Do you bring him back? Uh, do you, I, I, if I were him, I you think about retirement, right? Like he's 37, 38. I don't know. It, he still played pretty good, and I thought there was things he did really well. Um, but obviously you're at that age where if he comes back for the Jason Spezza and says, you know what, I really like the atmosphere here. I love the motivation. I want to play. I want to win a cup um, in my home province. Then, yeah, you can do that. But um, – yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't be going out and paying him three million. I wouldn't give him the Ryan Suter deal uh, that he got in Dallas this year. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I think if it's cheap, I agree with you. If it's cheap, I'd bring him back. But you can find a, as good of a defenseman on the open market, right? I, I thought his two worst games of the series were six and seven. Um, yeah, unfortunately, game six in particular, he really struggled. And again, it doesn't help that his D partner is Justin Hall, um, who. I expect to be gone as well. Uh, if he's not he, traded, that city will burn. 
for that one reason alone. <laughs> that interference uh, call might have been like it, it. It honestly felt like uh, Boston twenty thirteen, like that kind of vibe, like right that game seven. <laughs> it's quite a that yeah, it's quite a thing. Uh, All right, um, yeah, I feel like it'll leak. I, I guess so. Uh, my, Jesus. Um, we'll worry about, we'll look at that later. Um, look into that later. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good team. Um, but again, like they, Matthews is great. Marner's great, but they don't have that killer gene. That's yeah. something they don't have that the closer gene. You know, we always talk about that in the NBA and um, I look at it and I'm like, they, they can't close. Like yeah. Nick Paul was the closer for the ta- like big Nick Paul, who is ugly as sin and skates like a bucking Bronco found a way to have more of an impact in that game than Austin Matthews. Austin had a really good series, but game seven money's on the table. You got to score a goal yeah, yeah, and he didn't this year and he didn't last year. So I, you kind of have to look at it uh, in the big moments for, at the, at the big boys as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And like Tavares had a really, really uh, good game Mm -hmm. six, obviously he scored two goals. Um, But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, game sevens were, you know, you're solidified as a hero. You think of Justin Williams, you think of Corey Perry. Um, Those guys are game seven. They're they're game seven worn. And obviously that comes and it's not like now, like these guys have played in three or four game sevens. So it's yeah. not like uh, they don't have the experience. Five in a row. Like, yeah, like y- you've been there. You you need to learn from the mistakes you made, and you have to figure out ways, different things that you can do. Because obviously whatever Austin Matthews was doing in Game 7, it, it couldn't be enough. And it was kind of clear from the first period that he wasn't just going to get it done, so you had to switch it up. When he was hitting and going all over the place in Tampa in Game, uh, in game 6, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is great. This is what we, you know, this is what we need. Um, but yeah, like that, it just highly disappointed, obviously. Um, I'm sitting there watching and like all my friends are just trying to console me basically like, Oh, it's, it's okay, buddy. And I got Dawson texting me. He's like, go Tampa. As soon as the, as soon as the game's <laughs> over, I was like, okay, well, at least you're honest. I love it. But, uh, no, no, it's, it's okay. I, I'll get over it. I mean, it's, it's your Celtics uh, won the next day. So that was a good little boost. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty happy about that, and uh, it wasn't like that was a close game either. Like twenty, almost a twenty point, twenty five point lead. Yeah. Um, so I, ho- hopefully, you know, they they take it long. I know we're gonna get to the conference finals here soon, uh, and chat about that. But there, you know, there's a lot of uh, there was uh, a, a lot of pluses, obviously. And it's you know, this is the first year that I really thought about this, and my brother brought it up. Both of team, both my favorite teams were playing the past champions. You know, Toronto played Tampa, and obviously yeah. Boston played the Bucks. And I'm thinking, well, you know, they both did really well. Obviously, one came out a little higher than the other, but at least, um, you know, at least they were both comparable. And every time Tampa gets on the ice now, that's all I can think about is like, oh, that could have been us. That could have that could have been a little bit, you know, that that one step or that one thing that we could have done differently in the in one of those two games, Game Six or Game Seven. Well, you're going to be vindicated because the Celtics are going to win the title. I I hope so. I don't want to say too much because I'm too, like I said, I'm a little stitious. But um, yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of really good things going on in Boston. 
And what makes me happy about looking at the series is health. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, Kyle Lowry, he's been dealing with health issues throughout the Philadelphia series. And now there's like four or five guys who are questionable kind of game time decisions for tonight, Juggy. So, you know, what do you think that does for Miami? Does he think the big guys pull, uh, pull together and get past them? or? I got Celtics in six. Um, and... You know, I don't know if you recall, but I said after the first round, I was going to tell you the Celtics are winning the title. And after they lost game one, Milwaukee beat them. I was a little, like, mm, put off. I, yeah. I stuck with them. I thought the Celtics would win this. I, I think they're winning the title. Uh, and I I think the Celtics are in a good position to win this series. They might not win tonight because they're probably spent. You know, they played a lot of basketball. I think tonight will be a tough one for them to win because they've played a lot lately. And even like Al Horford was just passing up shots on Sunday. Like I think the guy's legs are just spent. So he might need a couple games to kind of get back into the swing of things. Right. But Jimmy Butler's a great player, but I think the Celtics have three, four guys that can guard him. Like Tatum doesn't have to guard him the whole game. Cause you can throw Jalen at him. You can throw smart at him. Even Grant Williams can defend him at times. So it doesn't have to be one guy the whole game. And I would focus on Jimmy. And if Struess and Tyler be my hero and you know Cody Martin and players like this beat you, you live with that. You're kind of like Milwaukee on, on Sunday where they're like, okay, Grant Williams, take 22 shots. And, and he made them pay to his credit. But I would live with Grant Williams taking 18 three-pointers than uh, Jason Tatum taking 18 threes. So I think for Boston, they're a superior team. They got more high-end skill than Miami. It's just um, what they do to to defend and limit the production of, of Jimmy Butler and Bam to a lesser extent because I don't think he's been that impressive through the start of this postseason. Yeah, I, I think he's been okay. Um, I guess for you know what what what's crazy is that like Miami, yeah, they had a great year, but if Boston had the second half or the first half that they did in the second, like they would have. They would have it would be the one seed by a country mile. Yeah, like that's that's what's crazy to me is like they just got so hot and they stayed so hot for so long. It was, you know, if they just keep that up. And like, I'm not, there's no diss to Philadelphia and, and you know, Trey, oh, a disc. Trey Little Young. But Miami hasn't really played a strong team yet, in my opinion. No. Like, it's not like they play, like, it's not like they play Kevin Durant. It's not like they play Gonatak Takumbo. Like, they they have got pretty lucky with their seedings and now we're going to give them the first real challenge. Like it actually, mm -hmm. now th they know that too. And I don't think they're a dumb team. I think Eric Spolstra, if, if anyone in the league said you could get Eric Spolstra over the head coach you have currently, I think you'd take it. I, I think there's very few teams that would be mm -hmm. like, no, I wouldn't take him because he's a, an unbelievable coach. But at the end of the day, it's going to be, it really is just going to be Jimmy versus Jalen. Uh, Chuck Jason and uh, yeah I'm excited for that matchup and those are the two last guys we talked about it we both had them for the mm -hmm. uh, finals MVP so it'll be interesting to see I think you, you you might be right with Jason going if he gets to the finals there's probably a good chance he'll win it yeah especially if the Celtics like I said if the Celtics win it which I think they will uh, I, I like my chances of winning that little yeah. little draft bet with you um, yeah. I have the Celtics in six as well just so you are picking the Celtics that's good yeah, which I haven't done probably in the last two series. So they probably lose this series. <laughs> you had the Nets beating them. Yeah. You had no faith in your team. You had uh, the Nets. Yeah. 
Well, I said the Leafs were going to win too, and it came back to bite me in the ass. Yeah, that was that was the one thing I was pissed off about. I had the Leafs. That was my only wrong pick of the first round. I would have been eight for eight if it was last time I bet on them. Um, but um, how about the other series? The other Western Conference finally got Dallas and Golden State. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. series uh, where let's just touch on Sunday night for a second. Have you ever seen a more pathetic, a more lethargic effort in a game seven than the Phoenix Suns gave to us on on Sunday night? I don't think so. I've I've only ever seen one game in the 50s, like in the 50-point range, and I thought Mm -hmm. that was going to be another one. And, uh, yeah, that was pathetic. And it wasn't like, oh, like, you know, uh, Aiton played really good or Miles Bridges played. Like, they all played poorly. Like I and it, it had to be nerves, right? Or do you think it was? I don't know. Like that's the only thing I can think of. They were nervous and they choked. But they're they're they're, play, they're clearly a, they're not like a first year playoff team. They've won the conference final last year. Yeah. So what 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 happened to these guys? Yeah, I I don't know if they just came unglued or what because it was even weird because on TNT before the game, um, Charles who loves Phoenix pick Dallas to win the game and he goes I'm rooting for Phoenix but I think the Mavs are gonna win and I thought that was really interesting because maybe there's just something out there I mean you look at DeAndre Ayton and I, I, I don't you've heard after the game he got into it with Monty Williams on the bench because Monty Williams accused him of quitting uh he only played 14 minutes in the game and they got into a, a verbal altercation but they just looked like they had no fight like Luca had the first eight points he was having a great time just making every shot he got eight in the pick and roll and he was he, every time he just basically got to the free throw line nailed the shot and he'd smile go down the floor because he's just like like what are you guys trying to do but I I don't know what happens with this team because Aiton's a restricted free agent I don't know if they want him back Chris Paul he looked 37 at the end of these playoffs, he yeah. looked old quick. And I, I worry about you know, Booker's confidence got to be shot as well. Cause he was, that's as awesome. bad as you can play in game six and seven from Devin Booker. Like that was, that was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. For a guy who's supposed to be well, MVP self-proclaimed next Kobe Bryant. Like he looked mm-hmm. the furthest thing. He looked like if Kobe Bryant, maybe, I don't know, stayed in Italy instead of coming back to the U S uh, just, I don't know, but, Kind of pathetic, really. Like I said, it was like comparable to my Bengals and uh, my grade 12 year. Like that was just awful. Um, yeah, I really not much to say. Like I, I really, you know, knowing me, I want Dallas to win this series, this conference mm-hmm. final. I hate Golden State. I hate Stephen Curry, all three of his kids, and Aisha Curry. Um, hate Jesus. Draymond Green. Yeah. Uh, hate his kids? From Brewing. That's my, I'm just I don't really hate his kids. Normally, that's my job to hate yeah. kids. No, I, I took a page at your book. Yeah, I, I, I stripped that one out of your black book there and said, uh, yeah. fuck these kids. Yeah, but um, no, I, I really want Dallas to win just because they have that same vibe as they did in 2011, mm. where, you know, it's, you know, you have your big star, obviously, but you do have other guys like you've mentioned before, Bullock, Bronson, Dinwiddie. Like, there is other guys who seem to be stepping up here. So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really thinking that this could be a really good series. I have the Dallas Mavericks in six games. Um, obviously, that's shot if 
they can find a way to shut down Luca, but no one has so far in the postseason. So I don't think it's going to start now. What do you got? Walker says, any of you two want to join me on the Maz bandwagon? There's a couple seats left. No. No? <laughs> um, no I'm not joining a bandwagon because I don't root for teams to win or lose. But um, yeah. this series is super hard to pick who is going to win um, because Golden State wasn't all that impressive despite Dr- – and I like Draymond Green. I think he's – He's an interesting cat, but I, I like him. I think he's going to guard Luca for much, much for most of the game because nobody else can. Uh, he yeah, probably well. can't either, but he'll try his best for spurts. Um, Finney Smith is like the new Sean Marion, where he's really good. Even Bullock is is great defensively. Um, I'm going to take the Mavs in seven. Okay, one more game than I have. Are you still, so you're on the Mavs bandwagon, though. Well, I'm not in the bandwagon, but I think they're going to win. <laughs> for the series, for the series, I should yes, say. Yes, but they're losing to the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Celtics yeah, no. Larry O'Brien, your drought's over, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's going to be really good. And I think a key success factor, I keep thinking, too, like if, if Jean Morant didn't get hurt and this was uh, the battle of, like, Ja versus Luca, that'd be so cool. I keep thinking right. that for some reason. But this is the battle of generations. Here's the greatest team of the 2010s um, versus perhaps the next, the new, the next big thing, the new, the next big guy and the next big team coming into the 2020s. And that's uh, Luca and Dallas. But yeah, Kev- Kevin Looney is going to be a key part in this. He, mm-hmm. if you look at his stats, 22 rebounds in that last clinching game against the Grizzlies. Yep. If he gets offensive rebounds and kicks them back out for open threes, like. I don't know how Dallas be able to win that like doing that. So they need rebounders in there. Yeah, if Draymond and him can get boards, even Wiggins at eleven in Game yeah, Six, if he could do well. that, because Powell is not a big center, I think they could take no. advantage of that. Especially if they play, if Gold State goes small with Draymond at the five, uh, he'll have a tough time guarding anybody um, on the floor. But I think I think we'll see a lot of small ball in this series because I don't think Powell will play much against this team. Um. But yeah, I um, Walker, you're quietly sneaking on the Mavs bandwagon. I'm not. I I just Dirk's no longer there. I was on the bandwagon when oh, I was on the bandwagon. I was a fan when he was there because he's my favorite player of all time. But let me ask you this: If Luca gets to the finals and loses to the Celtics, which he will, um, is he the second best player in basketball? Hard to say no. I almost, I almost want to say Jokic is right there, but yeah, he's, he he probably is. He probably is the second best player. Just does everything, and he's only twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's right. He's almost right there for you know skill level, and you know you see that drive to win, and you see how pissed off he was in game, uh, in game four when they lost and went down three one, and telling you know telling them like everyone acts tough when they're up. Like mm-hmm. he, he does have that fire and he doesn't always burn a lot of times in the regular season, but you're now seeing it kind of shine now that he's, he's got a real chance at getting something done. Yeah, I think so too, because uh, Tatum will be elevated a lot if he wins a title, I think for sure. But like 
Durant's getting older. LeBron, the only thing moving on LeBron is his hairline uh, right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was mean-spirited, but um, okay. I I think Giannis is clearly the best player. I don't think right. it's that close, but after him, I think it's very much open season. It could be it could be Luca. Like I said, Tatum will move up. Jokic. I mean, Doncic is not on a much better team than Jokic, if we really think about it. Like, who's – Brunson's been really good, but, I mean, like, he's not exactly been super clutch in past years. So, Doncic has been able to elevate his team more than uh, Jokic has uh, in the past few seasons. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that statement. It also makes me think, like, if Dallas is right there, are they going to go out and grab somebody like uh... – Damian Lillard or someone who is a big name who wants to, you know, seize the success they're having now and says, okay, like if, if they're doing this and they don't have like a number two, maybe we, if we go, if I, if I hop on this, like we can get something done. I think that would intrigue Dame to play in a market like that. You know, Dallas and Portland have battled obviously in the Western conference for years. Um, maybe he wants to give it back to his old team a little bit and uh, crush them with, you know, crush them with the blue on. They should trade for LeBron. For LeBron, Dallas should. Mm. Uh, I, LeBron would be down for it. Is the thing like he'd be like, okay, like I got a legit guy to play with now. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, be interesting. They'd have to I give mean, up a ton, but yeah, I don't know if they'd have enough to give up. This is the only problem. Uh, you know, yeah, they, it's not like they have a bunch of prospects or anything. Like they're yeah, pretty slim. I just think I think it's so funny that it so tells you how bad Kristaps Porzingis is. Is that they got rid of him and now they're having way more success. Yeah, <laughs> and Doncic is so much happier, which is even more salt in the wound for for a player like Kristaps. Yeah, yeah, such high hopes going into New York and just plump look plummeted after that first season. Who had a better Nick career, Jeremy Lin Oof. or Kristaps Porzingis? I think Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Linsanity, baby. I yeah, think I think, so. I, I think he brought a lot. Of, yeah. Well, he, he like that year. He had a lot of like highlight real moments. Like I can't remember Christoph Porzingis like shooting any game winners or like no, I, I just don't know. the draft. You saw how tall he was. How was it? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's gonna be good. But the boss, you we both have Boston Dallas. That's Boston Dallas. Yeah. yeah, it would be fun. Heat Mavs 2011 rematch, but I got the Celtics. 2011 and 2006. Right, it's like a full yes. cell. A lot like of history between those yeah. two organizations. Yeah, exactly. Um, I previewed the the Western Conference of the uh, second round. Uh, I'll, I'll do the East with you, but I'll get your picks of the Western Conference series before we go East. Um, let's start Blues Avs. Who do you have uh, winning that series and why? Uh, I have the I've. Them breaking the curse. I have the Avs and old Nate Dog getting something nice. done this year. I know you have St. Louis because of our previous discussions and mm-hmm. who you have going to the Stanley Cup. Um, I have them in seven games. I think Colorado is coming out really shaky in this series because of the little break plus the confidence that they'll have. Obviously, they're the only team to sweep in the first round. Um, and St. Louis is a good team. Bennington's playing really, really well since he's gotten yeah. between the pipes. Um, but this is also the first year it feels like Colorado actually has somebody in the pipes and Darcy Kemper is just doing his thing. He's not, you know, he's not Jake Ottinger. He's not Markstrom. He's not 
Uh, he's not Bennington, but he is playing okay. And all it's all he has to do is stay solid and you know let his team uh, kind of win with their offense. So it'll it'll be a really really good series, and this is probably the series I'm most intrigued and excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Because St. Louis, just like you, I think St. Louis is a fantastic team. I think Ryan O'Reilly had a, a, an unbelievable, not just like, okay, I think he had an unbelievable series against Minnesota. He had five tucks. Uh, but on top of that, he was great uh, playing against the best players on mini. So um, this is going to be really, really exciting. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, like you, is my series I'm most looking forward to because I think it's going to be a really fun, fun series to track. How many um, games did you have uh, St. Louis in? Uh, six. Six, okay. Yeah, I think they'll close it out at home. Um, first time since 1991, Edmonton, Calgary, Battle of Alberta. Yes. Uh, another interesting series. Where do you see this one going? I, I have uh, Calgary winning in five games. Wow. Quick yeah. one. Yeah. I think, I don't know, this maybe. Edmonton, I just don't trust them. I, I, I have no faith, we're being honest. Like, they, they scrambled against a, an old L.A. team, and now they're going to play Calgary, who hey, we'll talk about the – maybe we'll talk about the cons Smythe later, but Markstrom's in that conversation for me because he's playing unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And they're going to place a real goalie and a real threat. And Johnny Goudreau only has eight points right now in his seven games. I think he's going to carve Edmonton up like Freddy Cougar. And uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah, that was a big defining moment of his career, I thought. That overtime winner, like that was something you can he can put on his resume. And it, he needed that, you know, to get to get that goal and to move on, get that winner for the team. I got Calgary in six. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, again, like you, Dreisaitl's injury concerns me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, high ankle spray, I don't know how healthy he's going to be. And I mean, Mike Smith, Markstrom, that's a hard sell, uh, you know, for, for even Oilers fans. You're looking at it and you're like, um. The only like thing the, they got to say is like they, they probably think they're looking at it like, okay, well, Ottinger got them to seven games and he, mm-hmm. you know, Ottinger's by far the better goalie. And he was, he's been probably the best goalie of the first round for sure was Jake Ottinger. 100%. You might, you might disagree. Okay. Yeah. But he, like that, Mike Smith's no Jake Odger. He's you're gonna 20 year old versus a 40 year old. There's a, it's a tad bit of an age gap there for for those Edmonton folks. Yeah, he's got a little more tread in the tires, that's for sure. And yeah. Mike Smith. So yeah, I think eventually he'll run out of gas, and the Calgary Flames will move on to their first conference final since '91. Um, out east, haven't previewed these yet. Let's start with the game tonight: Tampa, Florida, the Battle of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams, you know, Florida, uh, Tampa goes seven, Florida goes overtime, uh, overtime in game six to advance. Um, another series they played last year. So we're getting another rematch. Um, what do you like? What, what are you looking forward to in this series? I'm looking forward to seeing this series. Well, a rematch, but with Eric Aaron Ekblad in this series because I think he would have been a major difference. I know you've said this before in a couple of your podcasts. He would have been a key factor in that series because of the way he plays on the back end and the presence he has. You know, he's up on the rush. He's making great things happen all the time. It feels like um, he had a great regular season, uh, season even with that injury scare. And uh, I think he's going to be a major factor in this series as well. He's he's got to be. He's got to be. You know, if you're comparing. 
Tampa's D-line with your own, you've got to be Victor Hedman-like uh, right. for much of the series. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think Uyghur has to be better defensively. Uh, round one, he had some games where I was just shaking my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think Huberto had a really quiet first round. He had three points. There's games where I didn't even know he was dressed, and you have Carter Verhage, who goes off for 12. I don't think you can expect that again. But, you know, I think Huberto needs to have a big series. No point for at least game one. And I think them saying he could be available day-to-day is kind of a ploy. I don't think he's going to be available for a while. Mm. Cooper likes to do this, keep his opponent on edge. I get it. Um, Not great for betters, but I get it. Um, But I I wonder who can step up for point. You know, I think this is – if Tampa's going to win this series, Sorelli's going to have to be big. I thought he was really good in round one against your Leafs. Um, you know, that big shorthanded goal in game six, just defensively, but he's going to have to score some goals in this series if they are going to get past the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. And and point, even though he wasn't fully healthy before he crashed in the boards, he was still mm-hmm. really good. Obviously huge goal in game six that's without being said, but yeah, no, I think sorelli has got to be there. I think um, uh, killer um, Alex mm-hmm. Milhorn, he's also got to elevate his game. I thought he was quiet at times during that series offensively i know he has got more in him um but yeah no i I agree with that if if you're looking at their top six and saying okay which guy's gonna play a little bit better kucherov was good maybe he can be a tad bit better but you know i'm not i'm not sure if if there's even that room i think he's at a max because he's playing so well stammer played really well with goals and i don't four or five goals in that series at least um so yeah, Sorelli, one thing I love about Sorelli, he finishes every check. Like he yep. goes in and crashes no matter who it is. You know, I've, I've seen guys on the Leafs, they don't want to hit Hedman because it's Victor Hedman and he's six <laughs> foot six and they don't want to touch Eric Cernak because he's six foot four and he's a fridge, yeah. literally. But, you know, it doesn't matter for Sorelli, he'll do that and he'll just be a warrior. So yeah, that's, that's what he's got to do. So getting inserted into the lineup, who, you know, who's the guy, like someone's got to play in points position, who's getting on that third, fourth line. Yeah. Um, I was looking at that all day because I wasn't sure if it was going to be, because Paul is already playing. Obviously he's a, a guy they picked up at the deadline. They got Belmar in the lineup. Um, and I, I, I couldn't, they weren't really saying much because their line rushes, Apparently there's nobody covering the team because it wasn't on Twitter. So that was helpful before the show today. Um, and it, I, I don't, it might, it might be um, his names. I'm losing his name now, but I mean, it, it's going to be a big step down, obviously. Uh, I mean, Braden point, Nick Paul steps into that third line center role, which is what he's been playing. But I think Sorelli and Stamkos, you've seen them paired together at times. Who will likely step in as I look at it now, it's up here, Shays. Riley Nash. He might play tonight. Oh, yes. Okay. You're familiar with him. Um, So he might check into the game tonight. That's the likeliest person stepping in tonight is Riley. He is a center, so that was an obvious fit. So you go Stamkos, Sorelli, uh, Big Nick Paul and um, Riley Nash, or you can go put him on the wing and keep Belmar um, at center. And he, Belmar, I thought a really good, decent series as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, well, yeah, he. And I mean that fourth line 
they did exactly what they did do. They stirred the pot every time. And uh, yeah, Belmar had a really big goal. I think it was in game two or game three. So mm-hmm. whenever, whenever Pat, Pat Maroon, whenever they went up like three, yeah, you blinked and it was three Oh, and you're like, okay, well yeah. I might as well turn this off because it's useless. Um, uh, that being said, who do you have in this series going to the conference final? I, I think I know, but my biggest concern for the Florida Panthers is goaltending because you right. got that monster for Tampa Bay, who only got better as the series went on against the Leafs. His last six elimination games, he's allowed one goal, which is just absurd. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but I'm going with Florida. I picked them before the season. I'm not going to back off that. They're my Stanley Cup winner in the preseason. So I got Panthers in seven in a war, and they just find a way to squeak it out over the over the defending champions. And I'm not confident, all that confident, but no Braden point hurts the team a lot. And I think Huberto is going to have a series to remember, a defining one for him, and Florida will do enough to get by. Yeah, yeah, if he pops off, it's it's – you know, you got to think it's going to be Florida. Their offense is just too much. Giroux was great I, first round. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he was. I agree. Uh, he's he really stepped up in those games. I mean, Carter Verhege was obviously the, their their best forward. Um, two o two OT winners, I think, right? Yeah, in three games, like that's that's insane. And you know, they faced a little diversity too. Like I'm going to get into Carolina. Uh, sorry, New York and their diversity they faced in the first round, but. Being down two one is like it's got to be somewhat nerve wracking, and then mm-hmm. to ring off three straight is pretty impressive. And especially, like I said, those two of those games were in overtime. Um, I have Florida in six games. I think they're going to be the ones to break this. Like, I don't know, I don't know how you call it. I call it a curse almost, but it's not really because it's it's a good thing for Tampa because every time they lose a game, they win a game. Kind of an end of an era. Yeah, yeah. So like if if they can snap that, I think they have this series no problem and I think they'll win the first game because of, you know, they they, they Tampa went all I think the way. they need to win games. tonight, quite frankly. I think Florida yeah. needs to win tonight. Yeah, and I think they can too. I think they'll come out of the gates and I think they'll play they'll play warm and I think without point, I think they have a real shot at uh at least winning tonight and then hopefully you know, you got to ask for two in a row. Like, look at the Leafs. The Leafs probably thought, oh, like, we'll win every other game and we'll get to game mm-hmm. seven and win. And that didn't work. So you don't want to repeat history. Rangers, Hurricanes, last series. Um, both teams win a game seven to get here. Rangers in, in overtime. Hurricanes win a 3-2 game where Max Domi, of all people, was the hero three points in a game seven. Um, who do you like here? I have the New York Rangers in six games. I'm not going with the. I'm not going with the uh, the favorite, or at least not going I, with the favorite in every series. What's that? You're not going with the favorite in every series. No, because I mean, like right now, obviously, if you go with Carolina, like it, the, that's the number one seat. Uh, that's the number one seed in every division that that mm-hmm. is supposed to go. Which I mean, would be interesting to see. But the Rangers, like I said, they face a little diversity. They were down bad in that first series and they they don't they pulled through the depths of hell obviously they got really lucky sid got injured and they didn't have to face that monster but regardless they still came back and in in game seven i thought they played really well and thought they snapped out of it and their big guys just kind of flourished which is, Mm -hmm. is what you needed so 
I think this should be a really, really good series. I think Carolina is also strong. I think if Slavin can get by, um, I think if Slavin can get by this, I think he's got a great chance at uh, looking at a con Smythe, in my opinion, because he's up there in points and he does way more than just score points. You already know. Yeah, that. that's that's for sure. Um, this one was tough because I I look at the Hurricanes; they're so good at home ice. They're the only only team in the first round that won every game on home ice, other than Colorado, but they played two of them. Uh, you know, when you look at they played four games at home, they won all four. Mm-hmm. And game seven was the most was the game that was the closest, but it was pretty it's still a pretty comfortable win. Every game they they played pretty well at home. I think that crowd gives them a big jolt, and I'm not a big home ice guy anymore, but they seem to be the only team that really makes it work. Um the Rangers. I like the Rangers' high-end talent, obviously, more than Carolina. You look at Zabinajad and Kreider, even um, my buddy, who I've nicknamed Shower, Artemi Panarin, uh, had his – I don't think he had a great series, but he had a great moment. Yeah. Um, Shesterkin's the X factor because just, you know, Shesterkin got better as the series went on. As good as – as much as I like Auntie Ranta – Auntie Ranta is a backup goaltender, and I haven't heard a word about Freddie Anderson. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't read a story. I haven't heard anything. I, think they I try to cover him. things as well as I can. The guy could be in Cancun for all I know. I don't know what the hell this guy's doing. All that being said, if Hurricanes can win home ice, obviously they're going to win the series. But I think if you if Zabinajad and Kreider can get away from playing Jordan Stahl, and you can get Sveshnikov and Aho not being as dull as they were in round one. And I think the Carolina power play is another big concern because it was abysmal in the first round against the Bruins. <sighs> I hate picking all favorites. It's boring. So I'm going to go Rangers with you. Okay. And I'm going to go – you said Rangers in six. I'll take Rangers in six as well because I don't think you're going to win a game seven in Carolina. Yeah, that was a – that, that was that was it's loud in there. They're passionate, yeah. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. They don't have much. Uh, not <laughs> much to cheer for, but they got this. So good for, yeah. good for them. I think this will be a really, really good series. Obviously, New York has got a. They got to play a much uh, tighter game, I think. Yes. Um, but ultimately, Their I think fundamentals got- are terrible. It's my biggest worry about them. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not exactly great at certain things, but. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be fun. Like watching Slavin try and shut down Panarin in this power play, and mm-hmm. Chris Kreider. Like Chris Kreider, I've been so impressed with obviously all year, but then he, you know, he scored that big goal uh, in Game Seven. Like it, it's it's just intense, and it's teach the team that I want to see succeed. I just got a new development. This is great news. Tomorrow night's Edmonton Calgary game has been switched from eleven thirty start to ten thirty. Mm. They knew I didn't stay up that late to watch the game. I um I'm ecstatic about that. 11:30 start Friday. So. That mean that means you can watch the whole game, right? Basically. Oh yeah, I watched the whole thing. If it started at 11:30, <laughs> forgot who I was talking. But, but I mean, I get like three hours of sleep opposed to you know this 11:30 start. It's tough. That's. That's like almost like let's just not go to bed category. Like yeah. that's it's not even like what's ten minutes. Like that's nothing, you know. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I'm happy about that. That's my best news of the day. That's best of the weekend right there. Is that that is a that, that means it'd be a six thirty start for them, right? Because it's a four yeah. hour difference for us and them. Wow, yeah. that's a that's early. Like that's it's really early. Yeah. Oh. I'm fine with seven. Like have it at eleven. I don't. But eleven seven. Why do you need seven thirty local? Seven thirty yeah. puck drop. You don't need that. People are off at five. Get your ass to the rink. Um, <laughs> you're downtown. I've I've been in Edmonton lately. It's not that far. Get your ass there. Um, we'll talk about the cons might next week. But this okay. week is the PGA Championship. Oh boy. And love it. You know, obviously another golf major starts Thursday morning. And I thought we could pick a three pack of guys that we thought were going to win the tournament before we start. You, you'll get the first pick. And before we start naming guys on FanDuel right now, I looked it up before we, uh, before I went live today, best odds to win the tournament. You got John Rom at plus 1200 alongside Scotty Scheffler. You got Justin Thomas second best odd. With Rory McIlroy at plus sixteen hundred, Jordan Spieth at plus seventeen hundred, Morikawa who has worse odds than these guys. I don't know. At plus nineteen hundred, and Patrick Cantlay at plus twenty one hundred. Fun fact: Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth have not won a major since twenty seventeen. The both of them, yet they are third and fourth in the odds. So do with that with what you may. But Seamus, um. You have the first pick. You are um, you are on the clock. Who are you taking in the PGA Championship draft? He won a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take him. I think I'm 90 sure I took him for the Masters. Small little John going on here. I want some John Rom in this. Okay. John Rom, top odds. He's my guy. I love him. I love watching him putt. I love how big he is, but he's just, you don't know, he just swing, he swings so well. He's a hell of a player. And he did win a few weeks ago at the uh, Mexican Open. Um, big win for him. Um, you know, you the, last ma- the last major winners are interesting because you got um, the last couple. I looked at the last major winners before the show. You got Scheffler. Obviously, he just won. You got Morikawa has won twice. Rom, Phil, Hideki, DJ, Bryson, Eldrick. Um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting list. You got some old guys. You got some some players that are are on the cusp. Yeah. I like the trend of guys winning that have never won one before. Okay. I am going to pick a guy who I hate his get up. It's one of the worst. Oh, I think I know who you're going to pick. Mr. Hugo Boss himself, Patrick Cantlay. Okay. Patrick Cantlay. He's a, he's a guy who is playing really well this year. I really I really hope for success. Even even for the, if it's not a major, if he gets one this year, I think it's it's mm-hmm. it's a step in the right direction. He needs it. English, right? What's that? He's English or is he American? Uh, makes me less. Yeah, you know, you're on the clock. Second pick. Okay. Okay. I'll take. Uh, I think I'm gonna do one for old my boy Casey here. I'm gonna take uh, one Justin Thomas. 
Yeah, I took him at the Masters. I wasn't going to do it here because I'm sick of him. Uh, but I'm glad you're taking him for he Casey. Played, he played well at AT and T, and I want to see him. He I did. See him he played very well. <sighs> my dilemma is: Are you going to take the guy that I'm going to take with my third pick, or can I leave him there and take him with my next pick? Um, neither of us took. Not not none of us took Scotty Scheffler uh, in the Masters. Yeah, so that was even with our. Full best round of the day picks. None of us took Scotty Scheffler, which is crazy. I'm not taking him here. Um, I am going to take Colin Morikawa. Was that he was? You were gonna wait too, weren't you? Nope. No, That's he's not, not your third pick. pick. Okay, Hopefully he's still there. Okay. Okay. Uh, now I'm trying to think about who you got. I got on the clock. Um, okay, I'll. Oh, just because he's playing so well, I want to take him so badly. No, I'm not going to take him. Actually, I'm, I'm going to stay away from him. I'm going to pick. I'm making another guy. I'm pick uh, Casey's boy, Sanjay M. Oh, Sanjay M. Yeah, wow. one off the board. He's not playing well lately, but. Turn around. I think he's got this. It's this course is called Southern Hill, right? Yep. Fun fact: the last person to win at Southern Hill, the PGA Championship, was uh, two thousand seven. Phil. Nope. To Eldrick. Eldrick. Yeah. Big superb shocker, eh? It's yeah, like that's a, tough. You I, I thought his name out there. He was Phil or Eldrick, but I'm just yeah. like I'll say Phil because he's not he's not playing this week. Try to. Yeah. Drum up some, some feels for him. You're not a bit. You don't. You don't use Snapchat, eh? I do not. Okay. Uh, and a Snapchat. I was playing golf this weekend. I had the KPMG hat and, and uh, sent a little snap out to a couple boys saying, uh, "I said, don't worry, Phil. I'll take it from here." I like so, that. Yeah. But, but I tell Somebody, you, I somebody's got to wrap it. Yeah. Well, they haven't big... got Morikawa on board yet, so that's something you guys got to do there at KPMG. Yeah. Get behind yeah. the wheel. I'll whisper in his ear. Um, this guy's won me a lot of money this year. He's oh, I know you're taking playing great. Yeah, he finished second last week. He's got a win this year. Do I have any faith in him winning this weekend? Not really, but I feel like I have to take him because he's been good to me. You got to reward that. I am going to take Jordan Spieth, the three-time major winner. Jordan Spieth, third. Was that who you're thinking about? Who was who you're gonna take? Yeah, I was. Th I was thinking Spieth. He's on my list too. I have a list of five guys, and Morka and Spieth are both there. So, do you, want do you to have a guy? One? Do you have a guy in your list that you have not taken? Uh, yes, but I was also gonna suggest doing a long shot, one long shot each. Love it. Okay, go with the long shot pick. Who's my, your long my shot? My long shot's forty-six year old Swedish, Hank Stenson. Oh, Hanky. Yeah. He's got a tight tuck. Hanky. Yeah. He, he's uh he's not exactly hot right now, but if there's any guy who likes to play, I'll give it to Hank. Um PGA long shot. Um <laughs> let me think here. Just I'm trying to think of a guy with just really bad get up will be fun to follow at least. Oh. Um there was a couple in the masters. Oh my god, I oof. Rick Hovland, he's a great player, but he's got bad, the worst get up on tour. Yeah, he needs some um, suggestions. 
Um, let me think here. It's going to go with your boy Lee Westwood, but I think he's heading over to the to the to the other tour, so he's not going to be he's not going to be there. I thought you were going to say, uh, the, I thought you were going to say the other side of like I, I don't think he's that old, but maybe no, sure. he's not he's not that old yet. I'm going to take Matt Kuchar. Okay. <laughs> Cooch. Uh, With those tight corduroys and just the bad New Balance shoes. I, uh, uh, the Cooch, the Cooch daddy, Matt Coocher. So you got Seamus has John Rom, Justin Thomas, Sung JM, and Henrik Stenson. I have Patrick Cantelay, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, and Matt Coocher. So that's our. PGA Championship picks. You know, you're looking at John Rom's got the best odds to win. I would think about spraying some money on Cantlay. I mean, I don't know. I just have a feeling about him. He's going to win a major eventually. 21 to 21 to one. You said. Yeah, not a bad little odds if you can get that in before the round starts on Thursday. Yeah, he, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think I think I'm just going to take three or four guys. I'm going to put some cash on all of them. Well, what and, you could do also is say you got three three guys if um that you feel good about parlay mm -hmm. it into them making the cut. Oh, okay. Just for the cut for Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Make okay. the cut pass to, to Saturday. They don't have to be winning the tournament. If they are, even better because you can part you can move that into w winning the tournament. But if you have three guys you feel good about winning uh, making the cut, you can three way parlay that and get some pretty good odds. Okay. I'll probably do that then. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love so, it. So, yeah, no, uh, good picks. We'll monitor this. We'll talk about it next week. But um, fun chat today, Shay. Uh, anything on the on the go for you the rest of this week? Anything uh, long weekend coming up? Yeah, long weekend. Might take some time just to, just to relax and get some yard work done as we approach the summer here. Some things I want to do, especially with golf around the, around the thing. Had a pretty tough round on uh, Saturday, but – um, I'm sure I'll be out for a couple more times and I'm going to get my boy Casey out here, uh, for a round shortly at Sandy mask. So he can help me chop up the course a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. but no, not, nothing major. Well, obviously some great playoff hockey. I'd love, I'm going to be tuning into Florida and Tampa tonight for sure. Um, but yeah, all kinds and obviously Boston when they play at nine 30. So what are you, what about you yourself? What do you, what do you got in the go for the rest of the week? Um, yeah, so Playoffs, obviously, and then uh, I was texting you about this and Casey. But uh, this weekend, I'm gonna I'm gonna try the third annual, uh, you know, No Warren House of Pain Invitational, where I try to do a hundred thousand steps in one day. I've done it twice in my life so far. I'm thinking about trying to do it every long weekend going forward now. Uh, you know, uh, just to see if I can, but I'm thinking I'm going to start Friday night at midnight and do it all day Saturday. That's my plan right now. So because, because you've done it twice now, what's the, what's the approach or what do you do differently on the third round that you've done, yeah. not done in the prop positive or the roster? So, so I'm doing a lot of steps from today and from really Sunday uh, last Sunday until Thursday, Friday, I'm going to do less because I found in the past, my legs are spent. Okay. But I'm doing at least forty to forty-five thousand a day, um, every day this week to build up. You know, get to like halfway there, and then once, once I get, you know, I might even do. I'm thinking tomorrow I might do try to do fifty-five 
or even 50 um, if that's <laughs> doable. Okay. So yeah, I basically hydrate a lot. Um, make the most of the, the, the first couple shifts that you do when you're, when I go out at midnight on Friday night, basically Saturday morning, go for three hours, you know, do make the most of it because as you get deeper and deeper in, it gets more and more difficult. So as your legs are more fresh, take advantage of, of that. So that's what I've learned. Strategy. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Okay. I love it. That's, love it. that's what I'm going to try to do it this weekend. We'll see if I can accomplish that. Okay. Any other guests coming on while you're, while you're pumping the legs? Uh, we'll see. I'm still kind of working on some stuff, but, um, lots to, I mean, there'll be lots to talk about this week with the PGA and with the gambling angle and everything. Uh, it should be, should be a busy week here on the podcast. Okay. Shoot me, shoot me a message. If you like anyone this weekend, because, uh, okay. you've been hot lately, uh, the last, yeah. last uh, month or so. So I need, I need some cash. Yeah, Saturday morning. I'll shoot you a text about, uh, I, I love this you know, for people that are listening. I love guys to finish in the top five. You can just bet on that. They don't got to win. They do win. You get better money, obviously, but you get top five. You have a guy that's like 20th or 18th and you feel like they're going to catch a heater. That's a good way to go. You can do it Saturday and Sunday. So it's, it's Monty Salma would have been a good one for this yes. weekend. Eh? When he yes. shot in under, that'd be a, that'd be, yeah. that'd be a guy you look at and think, Oh yeah, this guy's dominating and put some cash on this. No, exactly. So if you can find a guy like that and uh, you, you hit it right, it, it, it can be it can be a good little payday for you, a good little good little Saturday. So um, we'll talk next week, Shay. Thanks for joining me as always, and uh, we'll stay in touch. All right. Appreciate you. Have a good week, buddy. You too, Shay. There's Seamus for more. Always good to talk to Shay. Um, yeah, Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, Game round two starting. We got uh, the conference final in the NBA for the Eastern Conference. So lots of great sports this evening. We'll be back to recap it all tomorrow as well as some other stuff. We'll talk about some betting angles when it comes to the PGA Championship as well. So hope you guys all have a great Tuesday night. We'll be, I'll be back tomorrow to chat to all of you. Until then, take care. This is to the point.